Hello and welcome to this week's Stats One Podcast with me, James York, and Ted Knutson. How are you, Ted? I'm good. I'm great, actually. Great. Something happened in the last week that like really changed things for me. You finally got to say about what we've been up to. Exactly. <laughs> I, we got to release the Lionel Messi data biography. The first part of it. Let's not let's not under oversell it. Let's just let's just say where we're at. Well, the first part of it. The first of four parts that are coming. Um, in total, it's like an epic mini series. Yeah. Net- yeah. Exactly. Screw, you know. screw Netflix. We're taking over. Something written by Jane Eyre, perhaps. Wait, no, no. This is Spanish, so like it's going to have a lot more sex. Caliente. Okay. <laughs> Well, I mean, look, Lionel Messi is inherently sexy. And I think some of the things that you have found early on show that. As a younger man, I wouldn't class him as sexy. But uh, <laughs> Oh, so you like the beard is what you're telling me. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let's get to, let's get to the football. But yeah. We, you know how to make an Englishman awkward? <laughs> it's been quite good because actually people, people are actually engaging with it. And, um, you know, we've seen a few little things on Twitter with people playing with the data and this is the thing the whole point of this is to give people even more data i mean one of the points of it is to give people even more data so they can play with it because you know football data not obviously uh widely available out in the wild until we came along and sort sorted that out and gave out lots of women's data and world cup data and women's world cup data now the messy data um but you know what what more fun than uh, getting you know the best player in the world and data for his entire La Liga career and seeing how he evolved because a lot of football analytics you know we don't there aren't large swathes of historical data that you can do do analysis on and certainly not whole careers so we're in a completely new zone here and yeah technically it's going to end up as 15 seasons you know that we release now and then probably future seasons that, that we release as well. We won't do it on a game by game basis like we did the Women's World Cup. We'll we'll release it, you know, sort of in packages. Uh, usually end of season, I suspect. Um, but uh, I, we say fifteen seasons. Really, that first season doesn't feel like much at all. It's not. A, it shouldn't even count. Ninety one minutes he played, but you know, I think he he did score, didn't he? I mean, I apologies if I miss any detail. I am absolutely knee deep in this messy stuff, <laughs> and have been like. <laughs> The seasons start merging into one. The goals, the goals. James exists right now in both the future and the past. <laughs> the past for him is like Lionel Messi 0405 to 0708, but he's currently compiling and finishing compiling the Pep years in the next couple of hours. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and then he'll move into the the Messi independencia. Uh, so the post Pep era um, after that, and and basically like this is a you know for you it's an additional month long project of compiling all this for. Um, not only your own writing, uh, but also all of our media partners out there that are are, are sort of um, publishing this on on our schedule as well. So yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it, it is getting um, you know drops around the place. We should probably say, actually, Ted, we should probably say, you know, if there are people people that represent media companies that are intrigued by all this, that they should get in touch and have a conversation with us because you know this is this is cool data, cool fresh data, and. Um, you know, we have already got some uh, agreements in place across various countries, but I'm sure there are territories that we could we could enter with this if, that would be, uh, you know, would benefit from it. I know f- for sure that um, some some of the articles have gone down really, really well in certain territories. So, you yeah, know. by by far like the biggest hit article sort of of the summer in in one of them. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's nice to see other people doing stuff with the data. 
so one of the other elements about this is, as James said, we're releasing this to you on a non-commercial license. You can use it for research. Uh, so you're going to have like longitudinal 15 seasons of the best player in the world. You're also going to see uh, there's some interesting guest stars along the way. Since yeah. uh, Messi, Messi's had quite a number of uh, both interesting teammates and opponents, and those will be in there. Um, yeah, it's not the full La Liga season, uh, like of 15 seasons that would be like an absolutely stupid amount of data and also way too expensive for us to go backwards and collect and actually possibly impossible to find all the video for that um so yeah i mean it started because we were trying to figure out what would be cool as a data release and and cool for us you know has different meanings i think the the manchester united trouble stuff that that james actually came up with the idea originally was really interesting and and that kind of sparked a thing that said oh yeah well as long as we can get the video and actually we did a lot of historic video work with one of our um with one of our customers as long as we can get the video then we can collect the data and the question then just became okay who should we collect and and what should we collect and can we get the video and oh god <laughs> getting video for some of those old seasons was very difficult and as i explained in kind of my write-up for the the um introducing the announcement um of, of the project I spent way too much time. We got to about 90%. And then Pablo Rodriguez uh, found a guy who we could actually sort of buy old videos from uh, <laughs> who, who just happened to have like these really uh, big archive of historic videos. And, and that's what we did uh, in order to finish it out. And so like, you know, huge thanks to Pablo. If you if you see him you probably, and you use the data at all, you definitely owe him a drink for helping us complete that. Um, so James... Tell me a little bit about Messi's early years. Well, I think that you know the, the main thing that comes out of it is uh, I, I don't know. I, this is well known. You know, Messi's dribbling ability is is extremely, uh, extremely, extremely prolific. Uh, very frequent dribbler, but certainly in his early years, it, it was absolutely electric. He was beating uh, beating players like seven or eight times a game, and like some games, like they're even higher than you know. In single games, there's one game in that early early tranche where he. Uh, uh, beat a guy. Well, sorry, uh, completed eighteen dribbles in a single game. And you just think this is just a complete weapon on the on the one side of the pitch. You must have just been absolute. I mean, of course it's Messi. He's a nightmare to play against, even to this day. He always has been. But you know, when this young kid just arrives on the scene and starts just shredding defenses constantly, and that and he's not like a full size human. No, no. And that, you know, this is this was before even the goals and the assists were coming in. There was there were some there. You know, he wasn't Messi, the goal a game man at this point. He wasn't someone who's who's making those. I think. 607 he only got two assists compared to like you know an expectation of much higher than that and then the season after he got 12 but like you know the, the real hallmark of those early Messi get uh, early Messi seasons is just the fact that he was just a complete machine when it comes to dribbling um, yeah so like contextualize that a little bit though you, you're people don't even like yeah whatever yeah, seven well, eight dribbles a, yeah a game. I mean like a good example is like there's, there's two players who I think are both a bit kind of like wasteful and um, you know head down headless chickeny kind of things and that's Adama Troy and Sofiane Bufal who both um, I think last season Troy uh, was averaging like five a game in about a thousand minutes lots of sub sub minutes uh, Bufal was up over six but 
it's really rare to find like you know players who like dribble frequently and create like anything useful off the back of it and the fact is Messi's like you know like two three four dribbles more than any you know kind of like average player I think the only player that you can compare to to him like in the, in the, for that kind of profile of being a dribbler who can score and create is Neymar and obviously himself in various other seasons but and and a little bit of Ronaldinho yeah, I mean, Ronaldinho was a pretty prolific dribbler back then when he could be bothered. Um, <laughs> and something we saw there was the, the, you know, the free kicks for Messi. Free kicks came in much later on. Um, like, And why was this? Because Ronaldinho was on free kicks, certainly in the first uh, first couple of seasons, and he was very good at them. You know, we, we, There's a chart in the article I wrote about with Ronaldinho's free kicks in there. I think he scored nine across like, you know, basically three seasons of, of the day that we've got the Messi's played, and he probably probably scored more in other games but you know it took time for Messi to kind of like graduate into the role of uh, free kick taker in fact in the series that I'm looking at now Messi was more of a kind of you know shared the free kick duties that you know Xavi took some uh, Danny Alves took a, took free kicks for some while and it was only uh, kind of like the back end of Pep the Pep um, era that like it became a case of like all right Messi's going to take most of the free kicks now and obviously you know we, many years on we now see him as like one of the you know the great free kick takers and that I don't think anyone would argue that at all. But again, it's 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 just that fascinating like uh, link of like the seniority of like who takes free kicks for a team, especially a team with lots of elaborately skilled players such as Barcelona in any era. You know, you have to kind of like you have to earn your your place at, at that uh, at that table. And um, well, we just think of him as like this fully fleshed Superman, you know, and and he's you watch him play and he's been this way for so long now in in our minds like over a decade but it didn't start out that way no. and it wasn't his team right from the beginning it was it was a team you know barcelona is <laughs> has been a super team for a very long time and they had amazing players and so you know it wasn't just like the 17 18 year old kid coming in and being like oh well it's your team now it's he came in he kind of you know spent some time fitting in uh, mostly relegated to the right wing uh, you know far side not necessarily right wing cutting internal um and and you know, to be honest, you know, Pep's football is a bit better than Frank Reichard's. Uh, so that, that also seems like a, a fair commentary. But it's been it's cool to look back at this and see it develop. And one of the reasons why we wanted to do this project was quite simply because no one had the early seasons. Like those, that, those first two seasons, I don't think existed in anybody else's data set that I'm aware of in detail. And even back then, like, you know, some of the XY data doesn't doesn't exist, uh, never been make, made available to the public. We wanted to, to go out of our way to provide something that you know, was really juicy to tuck into. We also, um, <clears throat> to help people tuck into it, we put out, uh, Ewan wrote up an R primer, and then uh, we also translated that into Spanish. So there's a Spanish language version of that. We need to actually tweet that out uh, on social to, to make sure everybody's aware of it. But there's a fully Spanish language version for people who want to get involved there too. Uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of what we have been working on, and we'll continue to work on for the next couple of weeks. Do you want to tease anything about the Pep era? About the Pep era, let me think. Um, my God, you've really put me on the spot there. I'm trying to think of something something useful. It's it's only the the thing that you've done for like the last forty hours. It is true. It's true, <laughs> and it's just a kind of like it's, I'm just like I've got messy coming out of my ears, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you do see, you finally see him shift, shift because obviously, the, you know, the, the first game is a false nine is is kind of like part way through there, and you kind of should see this kind of slow shift from out from the right flank towards actually playing in, in a more central role, and his, his shot mark develops develops in that way.
way. You know, all the early shot maps, you've got the, the classic kind of like Messi, Messi appearing on the edge of the box, just kind of like slightly right side and shooting. And then Messi getting deeper into the box, kind of like on the, the kind of right sided corner of the six yard box. And these are kind of locations where you see a load of his shots coming from. And there's one season, I think it's um, 07, 08, I think. You just don't really see very many central Messi shots. He wasn't getting into that location. Then once Me- once um, Pep's really empowered him, and the Zlatan's come and gone, and I think David Villa and probably Pedro were the um, guys that were playing that like filled the flanks in the kind of like front three, and then Messi was kind of like central in a you know false ninety kind of role. Then his in his shot map suddenly that's the season he scores fifty goals. I mean, there's ten penalties in there, but he scores fifty goals, and the, the shot map is just—it's almost—it's it's pretty much perfect. It's just like all shots from inside the box, and then free central shots from inside the box, and then free kicks. And it's like, right, this is great. No wonder he scored all these goals because he was just like, you know, getting shots in the absolute, you know, dream locations for a shot map. And it's and the fact I, I think the O nine ten one is wild as well. Like just because it, there's such a central cluster and and quite different than you had seen before. But it's a cluster like very deep in the box, uh, yeah, between the penalty and the six for the most part. And his finishing is absolutely insane yeah. for so many years. Like we're pretty confident about our expected goals model being like one of the better ones uh, because it's got better data. And and basically, as, as Messi gets close to the goalkeeper, like he just doesn't miss a shot. He just puts things away. And it doesn't happen that way every single year, but it happens pretty much every single year. Yeah, I mean that's. I mean, it's, he scored twenty over twenty goals a season for the last, I think, eleven or twelve seasons, and then over twenty five for all, you know everyone but the first of those. <laughs> you know, it's just. To say he's just like you know goal machine is you know, a little trite, but it's it's not untrue. Is it, he consistently just like finishes ahead of expectation and you know just loads it loads up on the goals and uh, yeah and once once he gets into the centre and you know obviously I mean he he'd already got like multiple seasons of like twenty plus goals and he still wasn't really playing kind of as a central <laughs> a central forward. He he hadn't gotten out of fourth. Yeah, he hadn't really put it into fifth yet. It's true. I mean, that's that's the thing. And then you know, from that point onwards, it's like nearly every season is is like you know thirty plus um, uh, La Liga goals, and obviously there were fifty in that one season. I mean, looking back on that, it's just crazy. Fifty, fifty goals in there. <laughs> and I know Ronaldo, you know, just scored goals at a similar similar rate at various points. But yeah, the whole thing is just you know like, well, how the hell were they doing this? It's just. And you know, and they, they continue to this day as well. Uh, Messi, especially, you know, is, is guaranteed, seemingly guaranteed a goal a game, even to this day, uh, and has done for like the last basically eight, nine, ten seasons. I mean, that's that's crazy in in itself. But there we I go. I still feel bad for the guy in the first pack where he got dribbled six times in a match, though. Like that. <laughs> That guy, <laughs> the, one, the one that only, yeah, well, the one guy I can't remember his name. He played for Espanyol, played, made two act, two more starts, and then left the club. It's like you're, <laughs> you're finished, mate. You're gone. Out, out of here. I've had enough of football. This is, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway, so that that's all ongoing. That's this project, and you know, even, any football historian, who, you know, anyone who's interested in in uh, football, going to get some benefit out of this. Whether you play with the data or just read the articles or just you know engage with it, there's there's you know lots of fun to be had, and you know it's been a good summer project, and you know we'll we'll continue for the next couple of weeks as we as we put out uh, even more data on it, and you can you know dig into it yourselves if you like. Some of you gave us very positive feedback about our interviews with Bob Bradley and Will Kuntz uh, out at LAFC, so thank you very much for that. Uh, people enjoying the 
not only the two pod week, but also, you know, a little change of pace, uh, not just the, the relentless drum of transfers over and over again. What are we going to talk about on outside? Transfers. <laughs> <laughs> we got to do what it says on the tin, that's the thing. But that's okay. First transfer I noticed that I was interested by, and I didn't put this on your list, but I'm going to mention it anyway. David Nugent to Preston, age 34, on a free. Now, I... I saw that transfer and I chuckled to myself. Ah, oh, David Nugent, back to Preston. In my Nuge. in my mind, he's been at Preston his whole life. But no, um, he's um, he only spent two years there, about <laughs> about thirteen years ago. So was he lasted Derby? Yeah, was that yeah, right? Yeah, he was at Derby last year. So I, I don't even know what I was thinking there. Just some some crazy thing. But he's he's kind of gone home in a way. Anyway, that, he was that, part of that cluster of Derby forwards where. At one point, I think under Gary Rowett, they had five forwards that I was sure were basically making about the same on a weekly wage basis as the entirety of uh, Brentford's starting 11. And four of them were on the bench. Wow. <laughs> and I'm just like, hmm, seems like you could have been slightly more efficient in your recruiting there, guys. Talking of Brentford, because we, we do often, but there was a, uh, there's a story going around. Um, oh, yeah, that, a sexy Spurs story. Uh, yeah, little the poor guy that got called the English Messi. Uh, by Pochettino, Marcus Edwards was potentially trialling there, and that was interesting because he had an o- I think an okay season over in Holland last year, and he's got on the pitch and you know played a bit, and he's still quite a nifty dribbler. I mean, this is the thing really, you get a lot of these young nifty dribbler players, and it, again, you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier with Messi, it's about like can it's fine if you can beat men, but can you do anything afterwards? Yeah. And um, you know, quite often you get young players with speed and they can beat men and they can you know look look effective and probably scout well in that regard because they're beating men regularly. But you know, if you get into the stats of players and you look, look and you take a kind of stern look at it, it's like right, is anything then happening? Because I think some some of the young younger players that are effective dribblers don't necessarily progress. I mean, I don't want to pick on Jordan Ibe. I mean, you know, it's, it's not 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 his fault, but a classic example of a player that, you know, looked looked nif- nifty and shifty earlier on in his career and then just mm, kind of hasn't really hasn't really gone anywhere, you know. Liverpool have had a ton of those guys come out of their academy it feels like. <laughs> yeah, I mean like and then you get one Raheem Sterling which makes kind of like makes everyone think, oh there's, you know, these these fast young players, you know, can can develop properly, but You've got the assembly line going now we're just going to churn out all of the Raheem Sterling-esque clones yeah but it just doesn't work that way anyway no it does not so that there's a there's a you know in, interesting to see if um if he does go to Brentford and if they what they can do with him if, if he does stats are okay uh looks like a very solid zone mover you know he's only 20 so like yeah. still starting to to tick up on the the scoring side he is he seems like he might be a capable creator uh interesting to see uh Daniel Levy potentially negotiate against Brentford who are also pretty good at the whole transfer business <laughs> <laughs> well yeah not not really sure how that's how that's going to go we can we can flip to Tottenham actually because I think hang know, on hang on there's on. more B stuff so like, the question the question on, on Brentford we're going to talk about Brentford if you don't like it suck it up um, uh, we're gonna, so the question on the, all the Brentford fans is are they keeping sort of their two star attackers which last year were Neil Mopé and Saeed Benrahma uh, quite a lot of interest externally like we've even seen you know, rumors pop up in, in faraway lands which is really unusual for Brentford players but Mopé especially you know had a, a good reputation um, before he came to Brentford and then has really sort of literally kicked on um, so yeah the, the question is like are they going to keep both of them are they going for it this summer uh, and, and the answer is nobody knows <laughs> but I, I thought that was interesting because like there is 
if if they do sell them, they're going to sell between like probably twenty and twenty five million, which is an awful lot uh, for Brentford, especially, but also for the championship. Like that's the very high end of championship talent. But like they're perfectly happy to keep them. Like they've made so much money off of off of transfers over the last five years that you know the budget is is pretty much a, a straightforward thing at this point. So uh, it's exciting to watch, and we'll see if they they end up anywhere. Obviously, Villa has already bought one of their players. Um, in, yeah. Uh, Ezri Konza, uh, center back. So, all right, now you can go to Tottenham. Well, yeah, because Tottenham are interesting right now because obviously Kieran Trippier has been sold to Atletico Madrid with the minimum of first for like 20, 21 million quid. Uh, and he was linked with Napoli and I think possibly Roma. I'm not sure. But anyway, he was linked with, linked with clubs that you feel like, uh, as I know, know what they're doing. And it's really interesting scenario because he's gone. Uh, Rose, Rose is, Danny Rose has been left out of the, the tour that they're going on because with a view actually announced by the club with a view to for him to spend time searching for a new club yeah. so these are these are the starting fullbacks from the Champions League final now this feels slightly at, at odds with the general kind of like Pochettino way to you know very quickly um, like try and make transitions within his squad I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I, I know Pochettino can be quite like you know cut and dried when he decides a player isn't part of his uh, part of his setup. Then that you know they can be they can disappear quite quickly. Like Vincent Janssen for the mo- most part of the last two years. You know, once once he decided he wasn't involved, he, then he was you know literally nowhere. Very much kind of like <laughs> on the outside looking in. So I I know you have a point about Pochettino, but first, how old are both of these guys? Well, this is good because they're twenty eight. So there's there's an idea here that it's like right, okay. Pochettino gets a lot out of his fullbacks. He's <laughs> wrung every good bit of performance out of them. I, he definitely changed Kieran Trippier. He made him like a much better player. I watched a lot of him. We scouted him at, at Burnley before he ever moved, and I was like, "Look, this guy's just you know he's basically a, a, a winger that that happens to be playing fullback, and you know, so much of of Burnley at that time their attack went through him, but that just seemed because you know." Dice didn't have any other attacking ideas. Um, but he turned into like a real full-featured fullback. And, and a lot of that comes back to, to Pochettino teaching him what they needed out of him. Yeah, I mean, I still I still think he's got like defensive questions. I don't know. The, the fan base is not bothered about him going at all. I, 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 I'm not that bothered, but I, I think they've been a little harsh on, on him in general. But... Um, yeah, I mean, he, not many people like can advance the ball as effectively as, as he can. Just his passing is really good. He's, he's got set piece uh, ability. Um, you know, his crossing's decent. He's, you know, from attacking perspective, he's he's like quite a you know kind of like plus player. So, like how that works in an Atletico Madrid formation, I, <laughs> I don't know, but we we shall see. Maybe they'll play him higher up the pitch. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting to, that that we you know, they're making changes. The talk is that Juan Foyth is going to like convert to be a, a fullback. I like ooh, one- ooh 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 ooh. Go on. He's going to be one Foyth fullback, three Foyth centre back. <laughs> very good. Yes, very good. <laughs> that, that, is, that is good actually by your standards. Um. <laughs> 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 anyway. Sorry, I I made this joke like a week ago, and 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 the Spurs fans both appreciated it and did not want to encourage it further. And then someone's like, "You got to say that on the podcast when it comes up." And I was like, "Oh, James, just you just gave me a cue." I'm not even sure James saw that thread. Yeah, uh, but yeah. Anyway, you know the conversion. He's Foyth has been really good, and and looks like he's ready to step into a starting role. Whether that is this starting role, interesting question. But you know. 
have faith in your coach? I'm fine with I'm fine with this. I like this kid. Um, he he has got an error in him. Um, but maybe you can hide that a little bit more at fullback. I don't know. I think I think he's I think he's fine. You got Walker Peters there as well, and Serge Aurier is still milling around. And the thing is, like you got this t- the two ideas. One one is like people are like, oh my god, what the hell is Spurs doing? They're selling their starting fullbacks. What you know, this is a this is not a good idea. And then it's like, yeah, but let's all remember that Pock is the full the the fullback whisperer. Uh, you know, anyone can play fullback and turn Moussa into... Moussa Sissoko is going to play right back. It's <laughs> not beyond the realms. Uh, and, and then on the other side, you've got Rose obviously going. Ben Davis has signed up for another five years. I like Ben Davis. Again, he gets more grief than he deserves. He has one bad game a year against Liverpool and everyone just launches into him. And it's like, <laughs> no, he's fine. He's really he's generally solid, dependable. He's, you know, don't worry about it. And, Everybody has bad games against Mohamed Salah. And then, yeah, exactly. And then there's like a couple of ideas floating around that either Sessignon uh, could arrive from Fulham or potentially swap Rose for Dinia out of Everton. Um, no, don't do that unless you <laughs> want to incorporate the long term. Those are the right? those are the two speculative ideas that are dancing around in the forums and stuff. But yeah, genuinely interesting that um, you know Pock's kind of like you know cutting cutting loose with the fullbacks and you know what what what's going to happen there and how is it going to affect the the team moving forward i i'm okay with it although the tottenham do right now look like they need a little bit of depth because you know small things have happened like Lorente's left um you know central midfield they, they bought just one didn't buy any players for it yeah and it's just still there's still the, the <laughs> idea that you know you still need a few more you know the and dombele has technically replaced Dembele in the squad Trippi has gone he's been replaced with it from within by the looks of it but you know it feels like you're slightly short of a man even if they're flexible you only have so many bodies to fill so many slots one fourth can't cover every position in the pitch I mean however much that might be you, the you can't make him into ten fourths <laughs> no exactly <laughs> right <laughs> let's move on what else have we got like loans <laughs> You chuckle away and then we'll move on to something else. Interesting little loan deal went by yesterday, I think. It might have been yesterday. Uh, uh, Jean Seri has gone to um, Galatasaray on loan. It says with a view to buy. I mean, the the loan fee quoted was very small. it's kind of I'm, I'm intrigued by this because there's a transition here. Like I think Seri had this really good season under Favre in Nice. Um, in the the good Nice season, where Nice like overshot their expected like goals by insane amounts, then they had another. And he had another season which he was like less obviously noticeable, but was still you know decent. I think full and bought for twenty seven million or whatever fee it might have been, but it was certainly not nothing. Now they're back in the championship, looking to presumably cut some wage bill, and then you know kind of like cheapish loan off to off to um, Turkey with a view potential view to buy. It's just. I don't know. It just kind of makes you wince a little bit that that whole kind of like transition, especially with you know a, a you know years gone by and uh, you know I'd like to get more money back in for him if you could. Yeah, maybe nothing was on for, the table. I don't know. <clears throat> he was really good uh, for that one season, like to the point that you know people were like, "Hey, Barcelona, you know, if you need like an attacking player, he's really interesting." But then he had a, a significant injury, and that kind of seemed to to put a cap on his ceiling. Uh, you know, he was fine, but not amazing that next ceiling and then and, or season. And the question is, you know, how much did the injury impact that? How much is it just recovery? Can he get back to it? Do you care? Like, is he is he that much better than you know your other options at that position? And I just don't think that he ever found his feet in that weird Fulham team. But also, like, 
there are now significant questions about how good is he really and what is his full skill set and what leagues can he succeed in? And the answer is, I don't think anybody actually knows. Uh, so it's not a huge surprise. He probably should be quite good in Turkey. Um, Turkey is not a great league. Uh, it may get better over time, but it's very much one of the, the few retirement leagues in, in Europe these days. So you see like older players or, or former stars go there and have a lot of success. And they still have like decent money and, and you know, one or two of those teams often does pretty okay in the Champions League uh, group stages. So Yeah, and he's not old. He's like 27. So, you know, there's... Yeah, there's but he's post-peak now and he, he had a significant injury. So, you know, I'd be really careful about touching him either. Yeah. Uh, the question is like, what's going to happen to Anguissa, uh, who also looked really good, but yeah. didn't have an injury and then had the weird Fulham season where everyone had a weird Fulham season. Uh, so, like, the Fulham season is is this hated vortex for people who do data analysis because you have like no idea what to credit for anything in that whole season. You're like, okay, so everyone in this team was suddenly bad, despite the fact that they were all, for the most part, pretty good the season before. And they walked in with the same coach, which is also weird. And then like just could not even get started in the, in the Premier League. Coach goes, then you have like other coaches that come in, blah, 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 blah. Nothing useful or interesting happened in that season in terms of pegging player levels. <laughs> and you're just like, well... That didn't help me at all. There are a couple guys I still really like, I think could be good, but not sure how good, and that's a problem. Yeah, I'm surprised Liverpool haven't made their customary signing off a relegated team that they do every year. Maybe since I outed that as a thing, they've they've uh, become a little more circumspect about it. But <laughs> there's there's, a, there's got to be a few players. Uh, do you think that there are people at Liverpool that listen to the pod? I don't know, Ted. You tell me. Maybe. I I don't actually have any any, <laughs> any knowledge on that one. It's possible. Yeah, it's one of those, one of those things where you, like you, you you could potentially guess that maybe there are because the amount of times like you say you do you do meet people in football and like oh yeah listen to the pod. So, I don't oh, okay. think that oh. your outing that strategy will have impacted their. I have so. ruined Liverpool's on a tiny podcast. I've <laughs> ruined Liverpool's strategy, but no, uh, they're you know I think the relegated teams uh, haven't been kind of swept as. Um, as you might expect, I guess. I guess it will happen. You know, I know Huddersfield had a few players that that were certainly going to move on, and they haven't landed back in the Premier League. Um, yeah, it's um, it's an except for their goalkeeper, who was one of the first ones that moved. Oh, and yeah, we that's thought true. He was one of the worst ones in the league. Yeah, that was a funny one, wasn't it? Talking of goalkeepers, we got we got one rumor that um that came up. I'm I went. I was going through the rumors, and they were all like, you know, Man United consider Neymar bid and stuff. And it was like, oh, for crying! Bruno out. Fernandez for the fifteenth time. Oh, you yeah. keep plugging away, Bruno Fernandez's <laughs> agent. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it's just like, right? Can I find anything that sounds realistic that we can talk about? And the one thing I found was Tom Heaton to Villa. And I look, you know, look at uh, Villa had two two goalkeepers last season, um, and you know, it feels like Tom Heaton pretty from the evidence we've got seems to be a fairly reliable uh, Premier League standard goalkeeper and that's a good idea for a promoted team in, in my book he's 33 so he's a little older uh, Fulham uh, sorry for Burnley have got you know a surfeit of goalkeepers so you know maybe he's available the talk was Villa had offered four and Burnley wanted 12 for a 33 year old keeper maybe the somewhere in the middle is is about fair but yeah I, I, I intrinsically wouldn't necessarily be get me against that as an as an idea. Um, yeah, I, I, I we quite like Tom Heaton. We talked about it quite a bit uh, last year when Burnley were struggling initially in the Joe Hart era. <laughs> uh, 
So I, I think that would make a good amount of sense. Also, you know, Burnley have a little bit of depth uh, in terms of good goalkeepers. Uh, they, they would be a, a smart buy as long as it's not too much, right? 12 is too much, probably. Yeah, for, uh, for a promoting team buying a goalkeeper, that would, would seem a little high. But, uh, yeah, I mean, what well, they got Nick Pope, Joe Hart. So, yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, maybe it's available. Yeah, sure. Let's touch briefly on China before we get to a couple, one big actual, and then a rumor or two that we got asked about. Yeah, China. China has happened. Uh, China's happened. China have come out and bought Rondon, which uh, does two things. It gives gives West Brom a nice windfall, uh, a few quid, which probably helped them in their in their current situation down in the Championship. But it also means Newcastle aren't going to get him back, and he was there. For you know, him and Perez were their two forwards or two like kind of goal contributors last season, and now they've gone and they've employed Steve Bruce. and Newcastle fans aren't happy. That's probably a quick rundown. Rundown. I saw Bruce out was trending on Twitter. I mean, I, I wonder how many of these <laughs> things are things are comedic or not. I'm sure Lampard out was trending after a first, after a friendly match the other the other week. But um, yeah, Bruce Bruce out was trending yesterday. So not the most world's most popular uh, managerial appointment, though. Bruce is a you know died in the wall Newcastle fan. I think so. You know, you've got someone who cares. Not that any professional in a job shouldn't care, but. You know, <laughs> he has a lot of experience, James. He does, he does, and most much of it in the championship in recent seasons. I don't know; it just doesn't feel like the future, does it? It's one of these odd kind of like, um, like who's who's who has has once managed in the Premier League uh, kind of signs. I was thinking about this yesterday because there was a point last season where. Uh, you know, you looked at the you looked at the list of managers in the Premier League, and it was like, right, this is cool. Oh, Neil Warnock, right, no worries. And now you've got Man United, Chelsea, and Newcastle, who started last season with uh, Mourinho, Sarri, and Benitez, who are going to start this season with Solskjaer, Lampard, and Bruce. Diff, bit of a difference there. That's that's you know, you in, intrinsically you should suggest that there's a there's a you know, three teams that have all downgraded their managerial uh, talent there. With you can't say that some Chelsea fans won't allow you to with, say that. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously Lampard's the wild card there because you just don't know, you know, how good he could be or you know whether he could progress into being a top manager or something because he's unproven. And and year three Mourinho, you know, yeah, he's yeah. like not even average, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's very true. But yeah, do you just think like, oh, yeah, that's. That's that's a that's a that's a shame that it's kind of moved this way. I, I still slightly mourn the from a footballing perspective the the loss of Sari uh, to Same. Juve, but and well, yeah, also going to Juve in the evil empire. Mm. <laughs> Juve won fans yesterday by uh, chanting for Riola, didn't they? Mina Riola, you cannot <laughs> ch- come on. <laughs> There was even a sto- another story. There was even some some half baked story about Neymar to Juventus. I mean, why not? Just another two hundred million will buy fan behind the sofa. That's fine. Let's just do that as well. That would be hilarious, actually. To cock a snook at um, financial fair play and go and buy Neymar on top of all I have of nothing the players. To say about this, that's not going to get me in trouble. So, well, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, ne- no, <laughs> Neymar and Ronaldo arguing about who who drifts off to the left or whatever it was. But yeah, no, I, I don't think that one will happen. So let's talk about probably the biggest actual deal of the week, yep. which is Sebastian Haller to West Ham. Yeah, West Ham suddenly look like they've got transfer chops. They're not 
being shy on the fees. Let's not you know make any bones about that. And they bought Philippe Anderson for good money last season. They've bought um, oh my god, who have they bought? They've bought on uh, the attacking midfielder. It's gone out of my mind entirely. Anyway, hello is anywhere between thirty six and forty five million, depending on um, who you who you read. And you you quite like Hello, don't you? Yeah, uh, there's like a long history of this. <clears throat> we He popped up when he first moved to Utrecht, uh, when he was still on a loan out of Auxerre. And we were very young at that time and did not understand how things worked or how things moved. Had a real problem finding his actual agent. I think his agent ended up working for the club at one point. Uh, yeah, just like some some regrets. Uh, he was the number one target that we had as a center forward for a very long time before any of the rumors came out from other teams then wanting to get involved like Norwich and stuff. He just decided he didn't want to move. And I think at one point, like West Ham were also trying to buy him like back when he was quite a bit younger and they finally got that one over the line after missing out on Maxi Gomez for a similar price. And I think like Hilaire is so much better than Maxi Gomez, who I like, but you know, not that much. That would, uh, just to hint on, Maxi Gomez was a funny deal because it was ended up some kind of swap with Santi Mina going. You know, like Santi Mina and money for Maxi Gomez. I mean, they, these they, again, these computer game transfers you think don't happen. One actually did. So people keep telling us that they don't happen, and we're seeing more and more of them. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not sure. Like, am, am I being gaslit? Does, are they not paying attention to the current <laughs> faces? Yeah, What's yeah, going yeah. on here? Fornals was the player I couldn't remember earlier, but yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So it's, these are promising signings, you know, kind of not, you know, Haller's 25, Fornals 23, you've got Anderson at 20, 26. These are all like, you know, attacking talents. and um, Their their attack is significant. I'm not sure about their midfield right now, but their attack is, is quite good. Uh, and, you know, Haller played with two other excellent attackers last year in Ante Rebic and Luka Jovic, who you might have heard of, has gone to Real Madrid. Uh, quite funny that like basically the same price allegedly that Madrid paid or you know, not too far off for Jovic uh, West Ham have now paid for <laughs> for Haller. I don't I don't know how that works they're in the same ballpark aren't they really kind of like you know I don't know maybe Jovic was more like 50 60 but yeah they're not a world away from you know price wise um, but I guess this this is it like you got to credit West Ham somewhere along the way for kind of like backing you know backing the uh whoever's like picking their players um to to go out there and try and buy i guess that it's like a kind of like second tier like high quality um attacking players um mario husillos is their director of football right. who has worked with pellegrini in the past and it, yeah i saw this i'm like man he's too good for west ham but mm. congratulations for getting him mm. uh i wrote something i think in April 1st, 2016, and it's the Naby Keita article that also had a, a reader question in it about who would you choose, uh, Vincent Jansen or Sebastian Haller? And I was like, you know, these two kids are, are really quite interesting. I wasn't as down on on Eredivisie talent then as I probably am these days, but I would probably I would lean Haller. I, I really like him for lots of reasons. Uh, and then, you know, played quite well at Frankfurt. Huge respect for Adi Hooter as well, who we've been following for a long time. Uh, and and now you know, people are like, oh, well, he was part of a great attack. I'm not sure that he's going to be able to keep that up. And I looked at it and said, he's going to a very good attack that has some serious talent. Uh, West Ham are going to be really interesting and, and possibly even like genuinely fun to watch out there in, in East London this year. Um, he's, he's a good passer, scores some great goals. 
big man. He's about six, six three, six four, somewhere in there, and and still moves pretty well too. Like more of a, a panther style instead of like a, a pure burst. But I think he's faster than he often gets credit for being. Uh, so yeah, I'm. I think that this is a great signing, oddly enough, and and I'm not sure that we've ever said that about West Ham. Like some pretty good ones. I we we, <laughs> yeah, we both I mean, like Felipe Anderson, but this is. Yeah, I mean, there's that uh, tweet that goes around every now and again about uh, West Ham's like many, many, many strikers over the years and the the few goals that they've scored and the amount of money they've spent on. So they've they've certainly tried, you know, many times over the years to to solve their striker problem. And, um, you know, you'd you'd be relatively positive from this vantage point that um, Halleck could be someone someone that they could actually get the best out of. He's not guaranteed. There's still some question, but... It's a pretty darn good one. Yeah, you can un- you you can you can you know backfit the logic as to like what's 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 the thought process behind like you know making this signing rather than like I don't know finding some veteran forward from somewhere or signing you know someone out of the championship or, or some you know it's on paper it's the kind of transfer you would like hope to make um, if you were like kind of like doing the right things and thinking about you know what your process is doing so. Yeah, we're we're cool with that. What do you, you said? We got rumors, Ted. Rumors that you spotted. The, there's only one rumor else that that I wanted to address. That I, I promised somebody I, we would address it last week. I think, which is basically thoughts on Malcolm over Zaha for Arsenal. Assuming the price is 35 million for Malcolm or 55 million for Zaha, I would, the Malcolm at that price versus Zaha is a slam dunk. If you have to have one of them, like definitely choose Malcolm. Yeah, uh, no, I would. Yeah. <laughs> I still think that's close. I think Malcolm has a number of things he can do. He he has you know proven to be a decent scorer. He's a different profile. Uh, also, the other side typically more of a right sider versus a left sider. Uh, but yeah, I we actually kind of like him as long as you know the wages are not too much on that. Uh, sensible, almost. It's still. I mean, it's not a cheap price. Like transfers are not necessarily cheap these days. I actually thought Arsenal should sign like Alex Claude Maurice for what. 10 to 15 a bit like Tottenham picking up Jack Clark it's just it makes sense you need to accumulate assets yeah. that can grow and they have very few young assets outside of their their academy kids who I think are good but too young right like you you're looking at 18 and 19 year olds and really you need sort of 20 and 21s to be producing for you in the Premier League you know there, there's some open question there then the the secondary rumor that came up that that I also kind of like is Danny Sabalos and uh, we talked about him in, in a Spurs context before yeah, there there's there's been, you know, talk talk of him being linked with Spurs and now Arsenal. He just that it uh, just looks like a kind of no-brainer signing if if you can yeah, hopefully a loan to buy or if if you can't buy him outright. He's the kind of player that you just, you know, feel like could find his feet somewhere else like when he has got on the pitch for Madrid, he's looked pretty decent. He's, you know, certainly a, certainly a promising talent. Um yeah, just to flip back to Zaha quite quickly. I'm I'm not sure I can f- I can actually, in my mind, create a price and wages for Zaha that Crystal Palace and Zaha will be acceptable with that I'd be acceptable with. Um, oh, sure. You know, That's the it's, gap. Because it's going to be, whatever the price is, is going to be more than I'd want to pay. And whatever wages he want are going to be more than I'd want to give him. And that's just like, I don't know. I'm not buying Zaha. Are you suggesting <laughs> he might be overrated? I, yeah, to me he is. I mean, like, I know... 
again, he's one of these, one of these players exceptionally good on the dribble, can beat man. Uh, he won lots. We talked about this before. I think we he won lots of penalties last season. I just feel like he's just his functional outputs have just like never been quite high enough to justify what is essentially going to be an extremely high fee. Um, he just needs more goals and more assists in in his game from just from the from the very you know basic look, you know analysis of looking at that level. If he's going to be like a 60, 70, 80 million pound player and spend you know guest you know kind of like peak to later peak years at a top club, then I just I just would have wanted to have seen like more. Uh, even allowing for the fact that he's played in, you know, kind of a Hodgson system that's been like defence first, but at the same time he was playing as a as a legitimate forward for a lot of that period. Um, yeah, and he he turns twenty seven in right. the autumn, and I would want a shop map that doesn't look like someone has taken an eraser and just mo- moved all the ones in the center of the pitch. <laughs> it's just hilarious that I mean he has, you know, he does seem to have some ability to finish from these like, odd wide positions, but it's just. I just cannot justify, like, you know, Eden Hazard's fee, or well, not Eden Hazard's fee, but, like, you know, like these high, high fee for a player who, you know, has. He's, he's, at best, I think he's, like, slightly above Premier League average kind of, like, attacking con- contributor. I don't think he's a top six player. I just I just don't think he is. And that's that rules him out for me, so. Sorry. Feels sorry, totally fair. sorry, Wilf, nothing personal. But. No, I. Like, look, we're asked to evaluate players all the time. I think that that is an accurate evaluation, and I would agree with that. All right, so I think that that's pretty much it. We've got more messy stuff coming on the site yeah. uh, uh, or elsewhere, uh, if, especially if you like different languages, on Monday. And this will be the pep era, and we might even have some follow-ups on that because that one feels like it's going to be really meaty and people want to get stuck into it. Yeah. Um, and beyond that, thank you for listening. Uh, look, another weekly podcast. Here we are. Indeed. Thank you. We continue. Take care. Bye.